And I'm going to start with a prayer that um, Jesus prayed to the Father. And it was uh, just before he was about to um, be on the cross. Um, and it's, it's a bit of a long sort of prayer, but please bear with me and um, just ask that you open your, your hearts to what Christ is saying. Um, because I believe that when we pray and when Christ prays, um, what is actually happening is the heart is being revealed. We're communicating what's on our hearts. And, um, and uh, this prayer in John 17 um, reflects Christ's heart towards us as his body and uh, his heart towards his Father. So John 17. After Jesus said this, he looked toward heaven and prayed, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that your Son may glorify you. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life, that you that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I have revealed to you those whom you gave me out of the world. They were yours, and you gave them to me, and they have obeyed your word. Now they know that everything you have given me comes from you. For I gave them the words you gave me, and they accepted them. They knew with certainty that I came from you, and they believed that you sent me. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine, and glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world, and I am coming to you. And here he's, um, he's talking about his disciples. Holy Father, protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. While I was with them, I protected them, kept them safe by the name you gave me. None has been lost except the one doomed to destruction, so that scripture would be fulfilled. I am coming to you now, but I say these things while I'm still in the world, so that they may have the joy, the full measure of my joy within them. I have given them your word, and the world has hated them, for they are not of the world any more than I am of the world. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. For them I sanctify myself, that they too may be truly sanctified. And then he goes on to pray for all believers. My prayer is not for them alone. I also pray for those who believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, I am in you. May they also be in us so the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Father, 
and this is what I really want us to hear tonight. I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am. Father, I want those you have given to me to be with me where I am and to see my glory that you have given me because you've loved me from the beginning. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them, and I will continue to make them to make you known, in order that you have that the love you have for me may be in them, and that I myself may be in them. Two things: the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are, so that they may be brought into complete unity. In other translations, the word complete is perfect. Perfect unity. And secondly, I want those you have given me to be where I am. Because you loved me before the creation of the world. Rock family, I pray that these verses will come to life in your hearts. I pray that each of you will be astounded by the revelation that Jesus Christ, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, intended and today still intends to be one with us. Where is he today? He is on the right-hand side of his Father in all his glory. He's in a place where his name is above all names and he wants us to be with him there. Glorify me in the presence with the glory I had with you before the world began. I think it's easy to forget that before the world even began, before it was created, God had intended that we would be one with him, that we would come into such a place of intimacy that we'd be one with him and one with each other. He descended from his throne 2,000 years ago, descended from his glory from the place of worship uh, where he was king and he descended and he came down to a lowly place full of wickedness, a place where he would be spat on, a place where he would be accused, uh, a place where he would be hung. And, uh, and the reason for that was to come down so he could lift his people up. He would descend so he can lift and that his people would be able to ascend back to where he is. Isn't humility such a powerful thing? That is true humility. The essence of it is to to leave the place where you have everything under you. You are it. And you come down because of love. And you serve the people and you lift them to a place where you are. So that he can share his glory with us. Isaiah, it says, For thus says the high and the exalted one, who lives forever and whose name is holy. I dwell on a high and holy place, and I also dwell with the contrite and the lowly in spirits of spirit, in order to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. That is our God. That is his his um his stunning nature. It's heaven touching earth. It's his 
him coming, touching earth and bringing us back up. Oneness with God and unity, uh, oneness with God and each other has been God's intention from day one and echoed through the history until today. In the, in the word we learned how God was with his people in individual communion. He was with Adam. He was with Eve, with Enoch, with um, Noah. And then under Abraham, we came to understand that God was with um, his people in the development of family life. We follow the story as it continued through Exodus and into the Promised Land, uh, the building of a nation, the people's rebellion, which eventually led them into um, exile. But through it all, God remained with his people. So faithful. We hear God whispering down and through the scriptures, I am with you. I am with you. I am with you. Jesus prayed in John 17, that prayer I just read out. He prayed that he would be glorified, that his disciples would be sanctified, and that the church, us, would be unified. It's the unified church of sanctified believers brings glory to Christ. I'll say that again. (laughs) Hold on, I'll say that again. (laughs) The unified church of sanctified believers will be the church that brings glory to Christ. We are a body, not just anybody. We are the body of Christ. And the head has one body. And he desires that one body to be with him where he is. Unity is so much more than a nice word that we get to sort of throw around like a a beach ball, lice, weightless. Um, It's so much more than that. It's um, so much more than getting together and even conforming to one another. It has so much more purpose than let's agree to disagree for the sake of unity. Have we heard that before? I'm sure I've said that a number of times. Verse 22, I've given them the glory that you gave me so that we may be as one um, as we are one and that we are brought to complete unity. Like I said earlier, perfect unity seems impossible. It seems impossible to be in perfect unity with one another. We're also different. We have different views, different opinions, different theology. How? How does that happen? But, you know, the the more I see what God is, is doing and through his word, it is absolutely possible. He's actually made a way, and this is what I'm going to talk and unpack tonight. He's actually made a way uh, for us to come into complete and perfect unity with one another and with him. And it's actually the purpose, the very purpose uh, that, that he has. So um, if you can come with me to Genesis 24. Um, now for the sake of time, I'm not going to read the whole story, I'm sorry, but I urge all of you to... Um, Open up to Genesis 24 and unpack the story. It is beautiful and rich, rich with all sorts of things. Um, but I'm just going to be extracting a few verses. And um, the the point of me uh, pointing this scripture out to you guys is because I believe it gives a bigger picture. It gives context. And uh, I know that for me it kind of really helped me understand uh, what God is 
doing and how unity is so important to him. So Genesis 24. Now Abraham was old, well advanced in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. So Abraham said to the oldest servant of his house, who ruled over all that he had, Please put your hand under my thigh. Giggle, giggle. Now, I've uh, had a very interesting conversation about what that meant this week, and I've been looking into it, and it is very interesting. And uh, if you want to know what it actually is saying, you can have a look at it. I will... (laughs) I'm not going into it. I will make you swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that you will not take a wife for my son from the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but you shall go to my country and to my family and take a wife for my son Isaac. And the servant said to him, this is interesting, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow me to this land. It's my child saying amen. Do you hear that? <laughs> must I ta- and then the servant asked, must I take your son back to the land from which you came? Anyone else find that question interesting of the servant? What if the woman is not willing to follow me to the land? goes on where Abraham makes it clear that he does not want his son to go back to this land and that he, he wants Isaac to stay put and uh, he reminds him why. And then it goes on to say in verse 8 that if the woman is unwilling, this is Abraham speaking, unwilling to come back with you, then you will be released from my oath, from this oath of mine. Verse 10, Then the servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from the master. And so the servant sets off uh, in um, pursuit of finding the bride for Isaac. And it goes on about how uh, the servant on the way, you know, he's he's speaking to God and he's saying, please make this journey successful. I, uh, he's asking that the the first woman that is at the well and offers water to his camels, he will know that she is the one. And uh, and it says that he meets Rebecca at the well. She's beautiful. Um, it says that she is a, a virgin, so uh, which is important to know. Um, and that she showed incredible hospitality and worked hard. And at the end, she draws the water for the camels, uh, for all ten of them. And, you know, camels drink a lot of water, so that would have been hard work. And uh, while she is doing this, this the serv- it says the servant was gazing at her. The servant was watching her. And you can imagine the servant is is watching her move, watching how she operates, and is thinking... Is this it? Is this her? Is is this the right one for Isaac? The servant is impressed, and uh, he believes that his journey has been successful, and so he goes to Rebecca and he offers her gifts. He gives her a nose ring, gives her bracelets, and uh, what this represented was um, the in, with. Um, Proposals or betrothals uh, in the in the Jewish culture is that's what you would do. You would uh, offer the bride gifts, and uh, and um, you would ask you know ask her hand. But it's not like they would get married straight away. And and then the groom would go back and prepare a room for her, and then she gets ready and then journeys to him. And so anyway, he gives her the the gifts. He speaks to her family, 
and the family accepts and they ask that the servant just stays a couple of days, um, you know, so they probably could say goodbye to Rebecca and, you know, her friends can come say uh, goodbye because they know she's about to journey if she's willing to go. Um, and she is willing to go. She's um, about to journey back with the servant to be in union with Isaac. So off they go. They take a journey to a new land where her awaiting groom resides, leaving all behind her, willing to be led by the servants um, until she is with Isaac, where she will become one with him as husband and wife. <clears throat> Pretty cool story, do we think? Um and I, I wonder if tonight we would believe that perhaps we're in the same story. The same story where it's this, it's not a fairy tale, but it's actually a reality that, um, is on offer and, and we can grasp. God through the centuries has said, I am with you. I am with you. And, at this point for Rebecca, Isaac was saying, will you be with me? And God is saying to us, I am with you. I want you to be where I am. Will you be with me? Will you come? When I read in John 17, uh, verse 13, it said, Jesus said, I'm coming to you now, speaking to the Father. We also know that he told his disciples in John 14, let, your, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare, prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I love it. I love it. He continues to say, um, I will pray to the Father that he will give you a helper, that he may abide with you forever. His name is the Spirit of Truth. Some say that Abraham's servants um, that he had sent, that his name was Eliza or Eliezer, I'm not even sure how you say that, which means God of help or helper. And we know that another name for the Holy Spirit is Helper. So can we see the stunning picture that Christ has returned to the Father to prepare a room and he is sitting at the right-hand side of his Father and like Abraham has sent a servant to find a bride for his son. The Father has sent his Holy Spirit, the Helper, to find a bride for his son. Maybe we're asking, what do we need a helper for? And how does he help? (laughs) What is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives today? Christ asks, will you be with me? The Holy Spirit asks, will you go with me? It's the Spirit's role to get us to where Christ is. It's the Spirit's role to get us to where Christ is. It's the bride's role to be willing to go, to walk by faith, and to be led by him. Ultimately, the Holy Spirit's goal 
is one to glorify Christ, to sanctify the bride, and to bring her into unity. And of course, bring us to unite with Christ. To glorify Christ, Rebecca was willing to go with the servants to marry a groom she did not know for her. The servant asked her, are you willing to go? And by faith she accepted the betrothal and relied on the servants to tell her all about him while she journeyed towards him. In John 15:26, it says, But when the Helper comes, this is Jesus talking again, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. So you can imagine this Helper um, and the servant leading Rebecca back. He is testifying about the groom who is awaiting her. He's talking, he's advocating, and the Holy Spirit is that is part of his role is to do the same. He's to testify about Christ. Everything he says to us points to to who we are going towards, and that is Christ. Rebecca walked by faith and not by sights. The servant asked her, Will you go? And she did. Today we must understand that uh, there is always more to know about Christ. Always. Um, we do not know him completely. Uh, it, it, it's going to happen. Perfect unity, that's what we're going for. Um, but we must understand he is deep and rich in love and he is great and abundant and there is always, always more to know about him. There's always um, further to go in the journey towards him. And as we move closer to him, our testimony of him should be ongoing. As we move closer by the leading and the revealing of the Holy Spirit, our hearts are enriched and impressed by him, which means our lives should be different from the day that we accepted him into our hearts. To learn from the Holy Spirit, we need to be quick to listen. Quick to listen, slow to speak, and willing to obey. The Holy Spirit loves to reveal and testify about the groom. He requires the faith and the trust of the bride to follow his lead. Verse 10. The servants left, this is back to Genesis 24, servant, uh, verse 10. The servant left, taking with him ten of his master's camels, loaded with all kinds of good things from his master. Um, this is the other thing that the, the Holy Spirit does, the helper. He gives the church gifts. And the gifts are there to encourage her on the journey towards her groom. It's not beautiful, expensive jewelry. It's better. <laughs> and they are there to remind us that our groom, Christ, wants us to be where he is. They are merely to serve the purpose of being united with him. It says pursue love and desire gifts. Not pursue gifts. Pursue love and desire gifts. Gifts are to be submitted to the purpose of encouraging the bride to endure. And that's why um, I really, you know, I, I want to honour um, LJ. And I want to say that this body is rich with gifts. I We're spoiled. We're spoiled. There are um, things on everyone's lives, and we are all to use those gifts to serve and uplift the body. Again, it's that picture of Christ coming down, descending, 
so that we could ascend. And it's the same. Those gifts are merely to lay down, to lift the body, to encourage the body, to point the body back to its groom. Another part of his role is to sanctify. Uh, to sanctify the bride. John 17, Jesus prays, Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. Now, who is the bride? Um, I'm, this is my personal opinion. Um, it's, I'm not saying it is truth, but I am saying that I'm walking with close people um, where we are discussing this and we are talking about the bride. And, and so um, we are contending for truth. But what, what I'm trying to see is that the bride is the church that follows. The bride is the church that follows. It's the group of disciples of Christ who are sanctified by his truth. It's the church who allows the spirit to pluck her from the world and maybe even the family of God. In Genesis 24, Abraham said, Go to my family, speaking to the servants. Also we know in John 14 that when Jesus prayed, he said, I pray that the Father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. So only believers can receive the Holy Spirit. Only believers can receive the deposit of Christ. All believers can accept the betrothal and are justified. Absolutely, God loves them. Everyone is welcome. Everyone is invited to to what he has on offer to follow the Holy Spirit into truth, um, in, in the seeking of truth. But, and, and that's the thing, and this is really what I want to make clear. It's in truth that we are sanctified. Uh, it's in truth that we are actually unified. Um, and there's only one truth. Who is the Word in flesh? Jesus. Sanctify means to be set apart. Set apart as Rebecca set herself apart from her homeland, from her family, her culture, to be with Isaac, a new family, a new land, and a new culture. That is a hard process. It is a hard process um, leaving everything behind in the pursuit of Christ. It is. To lay your life down, your comfort, things uh, that are familiar uh, you are familiar with in the pursuit of a land you um, you don't know, a land you cannot see, and for a groom you do not fully know yet. It requires faith and trust. But this, and I believe this is what happened to the Rock uh, a few years ago. I believe that Christ asked the question that searches the human person to the depths, and that question was, "Are you truly willing to be with me?" Are you truly willing to be with me? And we said, yes. I don't know if we realize what we just said, (laughs) and to this degree, but with faith we went there. Did we know what our yes would cost us? I, I don't think the full extent, but we went there. Because what it means now is we've said yes. And so uh, 
Yes is yes, and that means, will you go? So Christ says, will you be with me? And the Spirit says, will you go? Because I can say yes and I can stay in the land. I can stay with everything that is comfortable for me. But the Holy Spirit says, I will be your comforter. And you need to get uncomfortable and will you go? Because where I'm going is only in one direction, and that's towards Christ. It's the question of, are you willing to be with me, that will determine how far we go. I believe that this is why the servant asked Abraham in Genesis 24 the question, perhaps the woman will not be willing to follow. I think he knew he knew it would cost her. It would require her to walk by faith, to desire, to have a desire to seek her groom by asking the servant about him. The servant you know, could not force Rebecca to go um, and could only leave the question. He could only ask the question, are you willing to go and then commit to walking with her? And I think this is what life group is. This is what discipleship is. It's to ask the questions that actually challenge the human heart and then be committed to walking with that person through that. Because it's challenging. Those questions are challenging. But like the Holy Spirit, he is committed to the work. He is committed and faithful uh, to the work that um, he has started. It's interesting that um, Abraham said, if the woman is not follow, if the woman is not willing to follow, do not send my son back, but you will be released from my oath. And so the Holy Spirit can come to us can knock on the door of our hearts. He can invite us and we can say yes. But if we're not willing to follow, the Holy Spirit is released from that. And and so he is committed to us. If we say we're going, we're going. And that's a daily I'm going. <laughs> that's not I'll I'll go and then we'll see how we go. It's um it's enduring. John 16:13 but when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, and he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is truth. And, and so when we are sanctified by truth, that is when we are found in unity. Oh. I hope we catch this. When we are sanctified by truth, that is when we are unified. How? Jesus says he is the way, the truth, and the life. There is no other way and there is no other truth. This is why I say unity is not let's agree to disagree. There is only one truth. If I say, well, this is my truth and Haley, that is your truth, and let's let's unify on that. Um, if I think that's unity, I'm horribly wrong. Horribly wrong. Saying that it's okay to have many truths is saying it's okay to have many gods, and that's idolatry. Mel, is that a bit narrow-minded? Truth is narrow. Mel, is that not a bit offensive? 
truth is offensive. I hope, I hope you're hearing what I'm saying. I'm discovering um, that there is one truth and that the Holy Spirit is going in one direction and that is towards truth. I had a... Um, um, overwhelms me every time I think about it. Um, uh, a girl had uh, died at a really... She was young age. She was beautiful. Um, she loved Christ. And um, I found myself in a, a real place of disappointment. And, um, uh, you know, I, it got to me. It really got to me. And I, I didn't share it with anyone at a stage, but I remember sitting with God and going, you know what, God? I am disappointed. And I realized I was disappointed in him. And so gently and beautifully, he said to me, you know that my hope does not disappoint. That is what my word says. So why are you disappointed? Where is your hope? What is your hope in? And I realized my hope was not in him. It was in what I thought or how I thought how God should be. But there's only one God and he is committed to revealing his true self to us if we want him. What I found was that if um, avoiding truth would be um, don't challenge me on my truth, don't question my truth, because if you do, I'm probably going to get offended. And if I'm offended at you, that's okay. Um, But what I actually found was I was in a place of realizing that because what I believed or my truth was being questioned, that there were actually things in me that there were things in me that my truth actually opposed God. My truth wasn't his truth. And so there are actually things in me that opposed his ways, opposed his being, but I could cover it up by being offended with the person if they try to challenge me. Because that's my truth. Don't mess with that, (laughs) you know? And I had to, it was simple. Do I love Christ more than I love my opinion? I do. took me a while to, you know, see that, but I do. The Holy Spirit is leading us into only one direction, and that's to one groom. And the thing is, the same Spirit resides in all of us all of us, would he really lead us into different truths, different gods, different grooms? Absolutely not. Um, But this is how I know that perfect unity is possible because we have the same spirit in each believer, the same spirit that's going in the same direction towards the same goal. It's the same spirit. So He's going to truth. There is one truth. We all have the Spirit in us. So if we can contend for truth, if we can truly disciple one another, one truth will be revealed. If we can lay our opinions down, our own theologies, the own idea of who we think God is, lay it down to seek him, the one truth, we will find him. 
and in that, in Christ, we will be unified. That is true unity, unity in the faith, one baptism, one mind, one spirit. Isn't that awesome? Unity is attainable, perfect unity, because of Christ, because of the Holy Spirit. It's incredible. Does the Holy Spirit reveal different things in Christ at different times? Yes, absolutely. And that's how we contend. We test the Word, we test the spirits, we get together. We need each other. We need each other, every part of the body, for the journey ahead. We need every gift to be used for its purpose. We need each other to ask the questions, the questions that search the hearts. We need to be faithful to walk with one another through the land unknown and to the groom that is unseen. Let's contend for Christ. Let's lay ourselves down for the one truth, Christ. He's asking us, will we be with him? Will you be with me? He wants his bride to be where he is. The bride is the believers who will follow, like Rebecca. She followed. She went. That following, um, what does that look like? It means being led by the spirits, being sanctified by the truth, and being unified in the body through discipleship through submitting ourselves to one another and using the gifts to encourage each other on the way. Tonight I pray that the the revelation that God wants us, that Christ wants us to be where he is, will be deep in our hearts because that is the driving motivation. If you don't believe that God, the, the glorious king, the, the creator, the rich in goodness, rich in mercy, him, love, true love, truth, wants us to be with him. If we don't grasp that, we won't endure. We will give up on the journey. It will get too hard. Truth will reveal too much to us. Pride, there is no room for it. There is no room for pride if we want to be unified, if we want to be sanctified by truth. It, it is a place of humility that we have to come into. Um, so I'm just going to pray. I'm going to end there. Thank you for your time and for being here. Um, um, I don't think we'll have the band if that's okay. Or do you want to do a song? I don't know. How's everyone? No? Okay. I'm just going to pray and, and end there. Lord, who is like you? Who is like you? You are love, you are truth, you are the King, the Messiah, you are the Lamb, you are the Lion, I pray Lord as your body that we will be one, we will be found in you, we will be found in truth. Lord, that we will not let pride get in the way. We will humble ourselves. We will serve each other so that we could come into unity. Lord, you are coming back for a unified bride, not a bride that is dispersed, who's doing her own thing, her own ministries. 
You desire us to be one, Lord. You made a way that we could be one. You descended to be with us, to show the way to come back to you as one. I thank you that you desire that, Lord. You desire unity, Lord. True unity in the faith. One truth. And it is narrow. But you've given us your Holy Spirit, the servant who is looking, gazing at us. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is watching us. Watching us. What are we doing? What's in our hearts? Will we love the groom with everything? Will we um, be the bride that will leave everything in pursuit of the groom? Will we be willing to go, to follow, by faith? Pray we walk not, um, not by sight, but by faith, Lord. I thank you for the gifts in this house. I thank you for the gifts in this body. I thank you that you are raising them up. You are nurturing them. You are giving birth to gifts in this body. May we always look to you, Lord, the humble king, the humble king. May we always encourage one another to go where the Spirit is taking us in one direction.